Where'd she go? Just ahead. What is it? I don't know. I don't want to stay here tonight. We don't have a choice. It's too late in the day for us to move on. Welcome back to WandaVision. I mean, the Bean Dubbed Podcast. Oops. My name is Seth, and with me as always is... Laura. And... The Cobbler Gobbler. The Cobbler Gobbler? Whose cobbler are you gobbling? <laughs> hey, it's not that kind of cobbler. We're talking like peach, cherry, like, <laughs> like fruit pies. Man, I made myself laugh at that one. God damn it. <laughs> not people who work on shoes? Wow. <laughs> Didn't think of that angle in the moment. Can, can I go back and change it? <laughs> nah, it's too late. Gotta leave that one in. What is the best pie, though? Best pie? It's a whole different podcast. It's <laughs> a whole different podcast. I know. It, back to it, the pie podcast. I don't think it's going to be a, a regular favorite for most people, but my favorite pie is pecan. Yup. Pecan's pretty bomb. Yeah. yeah. Pecan is delicious, and my mom used to make it. It was so good. Same. And then so my second. All moms make pecan pie, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the cool ones, too. Well, we got to names. Yeah, that's the first tangent <laughs> over. We got to names. Moving on. On this podcast, the Bean Dubbed Podcast, we talk about different people in the film industry every single month. Typically, for the entire month, we talk about the one person, whether it be a director, actor, writer, producer. And we talk about some of their filmography. If they're not that involved, then we talk about their full filmography. Otherwise, we take snippets. So far, we've done, like, you know, Ruben Fleischer. We haven't talked about all of his. But, I mean, we only skip the bad ones. Um, Sean Levy, there's no way we could have covered all of his movies in one month. Yeah. He's been doing it for a long time. Yeah. But, I mean, we covered all of Robert Eggers. We covered all of Radio Silence. Yep. Yeah. And this month, we're covering all of Alex Garland that he's directed. or not doing any of the ones that he's written. But... Being that it is Alex Garland, today we're talking about Annihilation. Yes. Annihilation. So last week we covered his directorial debut, which was Ex Machina, which we had very positive thoughts for. And like I said, this week we're talking about Annihilation, and we'll get into our thoughts right after we talk about how our weeks were and how were our weeks. Um, seven about right that's accurate seven seven days seven yeah you're a weird (laughs) (laughs) knowing knowing this of yes yeah i mean pretty much a normal normal week yeah after dr strange it was normal it was normal yeah and how was that dr strange opening fucking busy busy (laughs) real busy really busy and uh you you detoxed and stuck to your diet and now you are totally fucked if you eat anything outside, huh? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, stomach hates me if I eat anything that's outside of... Home-cooked food? Yeah. That, it's, that's good news, though. It's a very easy way to keep you on track, right? Yeah, because it used to be the exact opposite. Anything that I would eat that was even moderately healthy, my body was just like, No, fuck you! Yeah. What is this? When your body gets used to something and you start changing the diet up, it doesn't very and usually yeah. doesn't like it that's why jordan peterson almost died from drinking fucking apple cider stupid who <laughs> he's a person who lectures people is he like braxo yeah 
Yep, it's, he's exactly like that. Ah. So. Okay. Except with, he sounds like Kermit the Frog. But with words instead of just staring. Oh, I guess I did go shooting. There you go. On Saturday. Mm-hmm. My, my shoulder definitely hurt. Uh, it's You can still see where the bruise was, but there, there's nothing anymore. <laughs> it, it feels fine. You shouldn't be tensing up when you're shooting a gun. Well, I mean, it doesn't hurt that I haven't shot a rifle or anything besides a pistol ooh, in a real long time. You mean it does hurt because you haven't done that? It doesn't help. It does, in fact, hurt. Yes. Because uh-huh. you you didn't shoot like a low-caliber rifle. You shot a fucking shotgun. Yeah, from nothing to trap, trap shooting, yeah. Okay, trap okay, shooting, okay. too? Uh, yeah. It wasn't just plinking a couple. It was a full round of trap. Yeah, Stop. then you're really tensing up because you're trying to follow a target. So yeah, besides shoulder death for like a day after that, and then a nice chunky bruise. Plaka kaka The plaka Yeah, I mean, I think the only change this week was that I actually set up the treadmill and used it today. And I stayed home from work yesterday despite the urge to go. And I just cleaned <laughs> the house. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We watched, <laughs> we finished WandaVision, we watched movies together. Well, I mean, we didn't even discuss watching WandaVision. So we, we watched WandaVision together. We started watching it when it first came out, and then we stopped watching because we were just not that interested. The first few episodes are a bit of a slog to get through, and you're just really confused about what's even happening. Mm-hmm. And it has to explain itself over the over the time that the series... Yeah. But it takes until, like, the fourth episode before you have any clue what's going on. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. And it was really entertaining. I really liked WandaVision. And I'm assuming that's what it's going to be like for most of, like, the original Marvel Disney Plus shows. Yeah. I'm sure they're all, like, really good. But, man, if we don't have too many fucking shows to keep up with at this point. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't watch every single show that comes out. Yeah. But... I know we had to watch WandaVision if we're going to watch Doctor Strange. So eventually, when we get around to watching Doctor Strange, we'll be up to date. Although I don't really know what it was leading to with WandaVision. Just that she's going to be in it, I guess. Mm-hmm. We also watched a new movie in the theaters, which was Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Oh, <laughs> which was incredible For any Nick Cage fans, it's essential. Yes. I don't know. There's like a trilogy of movies most people are going to remember in Nick Cage from Nick Cage's filmography in like the late '90s, and they bring it up a lot in the movie. So it's like The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off. Face Off, yeah, yeah. Those were like his big ticket ones. That yeah, those were the <laughs> they movies. Were so good. <laughs> they were great, but they were also like the mainstream movies that everyone would watch. You know, and yeah. The, That's what people focused on. Yeah, people didn't watch his more artsy movies. No. I mean, he got got more well-known with, like, Ghost Rider and National Treasure later on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a Marvel property. I know it. The first one wasn't that bad. I didn't think either of them were that bad. No, the second one was horrendous. (laughs) (laughs) It shouldn't exist. I still liked it. It's like the second uh, Fantastic Four movie. Stop it. Uh, I can't wait to see it. It's insane. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you have to. And then Pedro Pascal's character is like hilarious because he's he's like such a sensitive bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, the best. Not Mando. Honestly, the best character I've ever seen Pedro play. (laughs) I actually liked him. Okay. He was likable. I don't know if there was really anybody else in the movie that was of uh, that I recognized really, but (laughs) Tiffany Haddish. Oh yeah, Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, and the and the douche dude that's in like all the terrible <laughs> Comedy Central shows. He was in. Uh, I think he really started his career making a name for himself on Mad TV. I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, I can't think of his name either. But he, he was actually really funny in the movie though too. He was in um, Neighbors. Yeah, unbearable weight of massive talent was fun, and yeah. for the Alex Garland stuff that we've. Because we've been working through some of the old, like, the written Alex Garland movies. Because yeah. he's been a writer in Hollywood a lot longer. Or not really Hollywood, because he's specifically only lived in England. But he writes scripts <laughs> yeah. and screenplays. So we watched Sunshine, which was pretty cool and strange until it got really weird and <laughs> freaky. Yeah. It took a weird turn <laughs> <laughs> that I was not expecting. Uh, what was the other one that we watched? With the uh, Amazing Spider-Man scrawny ass. Tom Holland? No. Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, uh... <laughs> Toby? Alexander... Or Alex... Uh, 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 Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. <laughs> like Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, was that one in... Uh, fuck. I, I don't even remember the name of the movie now. Oh, Never Let You Go. Never, never Let Me let, Go? Never Let Me Go. Yeah, sure. I had him and... Uh, Grandma Face. Stop calling her that. Who Who's Grandma Face? A girl from Drive. I'm promising a woman. You don't even know her name. No. Drawing a blank with names right now. Grandma Face. <laughs> it's Grandma Face. <laughs> Chloe Sabini. No. It's Carrie Mulligan. Underwood. Oh, no? Okay. No. She's not Grandma Face. She's, She's an adorable grandma. face. <laughs> I mean... Oh, Grandma Face. You're the one comparing them like a Grandma Face is ugly. I didn't say necessarily that Grandma Faces are ugly. Yeah, but you don't... She can have an adorable face and still have Granny Face. Okay, well, no one needs to know about your Granny (laughs) fetish. I have a Granny kink. Oh, no. Obviously. (laughs) I mean, I'm old. No, that's that's not it, my dude. That's that's, that's not... No. Yeah, we've fallen off. Sorry. Welcome to the last episode of the Being Dumb <laughs> Podcast. Yeah, so we watched Never Let Me Go and uh, f- fucking Sunshine. <laughs> and we started watching Devs. Devs oh, is really good. <laughs> I just don't know why I keep doing this with you guys. Uh, I don't know. If you guys could just see the look on Laura's face, it's just utter disgust and immense disappointment. <laughs> Unbearable weight, massive disgust. So that's what Laura and I watched. Then for Seth's audiobooks, I've still been listening to The Beach. I've been on still? and off. I've been listening to, like, I had to catch all on podcasts because all last week I was listening to the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. Jesus. It goes on all day. I have to listen. Yeah, it does. So, The Beach is good. It's a lot better than the movie is. Characters are a lot more human and likable. The main character isn't Leonardo DiCaprio, who's American and trying to fuck everything. <laughs> I don't remember that. He fucks like three different women in that movie. What? No, we didn't. 
Yes, he did. And one of them was uh, Tilda Swinton. That was the only other one besides his girlfriend. It wasn't his girlfriend. It was another dude's girlfriend. He fucked multiple people's girlfriends. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm listening to the audiobook right now. But did that happen in the movie? Yes. We'll watch that one again. We'll come back. Because I week. really only remember him having the girlfriend and then he went away. Matilda Swinton's character and that crazy bitch would like fuck the shit out of him. <laughs> and then was like, don't tell anyone. And then they got back to the beach and she was like, yeah, we fucked. <laughs> What's the big deal? <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a good fucking movie. Oh, yeah. Only one to me. Great. It doesn't sound that bad. Twink ass fucking Leonardo DiCaprio laying pipe on all fucking dudes' girlfriends. <laughs> the cuck maker. <laughs> I mean, it's not his fault. He was the best looking guy on that beach. They made it into a easily fuck fest because fuck it was after Twilight or uh, not Twilight, um, Titanic. Titanic, the Twilight before Titanic or Twilight. Titanic was the Twilight before Twilight. Yes. No, it was not. Long, boring. All the bitches loved it. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't a series. It was or based on books of fiction. James it was Cameron fell based... the fuck off. That motherfucker made Terminator 2. And then he came out with fucking Titanic and then Avatar. Garbage. Oh my god. Fuck will, off, Cameron. I will agree with uh, you on shit. Avatar, but I love Titanic. I'm indifferent to Titanic. Did you like Avatar? Haven't seen it. <laughs> really? Nope. Neither have I. I Don't waste the time. It's like three and a half hours of blue people sex. All right, we need to move on. Jesus. So today we're talking about the movie Annihilation from 2018. Uh, Alex Garland's second movie that he's directed. It stars Natalie Portman uh, as Jennifer Jason Leigh. Yes. I just now realized that. She's a grandma. She's a grandma. (laughs) That's a grandma face. Because she is actually grandma. Probably. I mean, she's and, like 100 and half years of, old. half of her name has My Name is Earl in it. <laughs> Who else? Oscar Isaac is in it. Benedict Wong. Benedict Wong. Said about, I think those are like the most recognizable people. Yeah, I can't Michelle remember. Michelle Rodriguez's younger sister. Oh my God. They're not related at all. They have the same last name. Oh, really? <laughs> There's a Hispanic woman that has the last name Rodriguez? They're obviously related. What? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? Well, I don't oh. recall her name, but the girl that plays Valkyrie from Thor. You don't know her name? Tessa Thompson? That's it. So what did everybody think about Annihilation? Holy shit. Visually, really, really, really enticing. Super beautiful. Was there anything else that we've watched specifically for the podcast that has looked like that? I don't think anything's looked like that. Uh-uh. <laughs> Very unique. Well, they all have their, like, different styles. I guess the thing that would look the most like it would be Ex Machina. Yeah, but that was different. That, that was that was different. It wasn't popping with color and just like super vibrant. I don't think we've covered anything on the podcast that was that colorful. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I think probably the closest would just be based on scenery alone. Like it was nothing like 
science-y or anything, but just scenery alone would be, like, an uncharted just because it had really incredible, like, shots of beautiful scenery. Or, like, the Atom Project. Yeah. True, yeah. But not really anything that looked like this. No. I think this is the craziest visually so far. I don't want to say anything else about it because I don't want to give anything up yet. Well, did no, you no like pieces. it? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. It's very good. Provoked quite a bit of thought, too. Do you feel the same? It was awesome. Metal as fuck. Fun, 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 fun. <laughs> fun, 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 fun. Yeah, Annihilation is it's insanely thought-provoking. And it's a little bit hard to understand, like, in the first, like, probably 20 to 30 minutes. It's not easy immediately to get right into. Based on reviews and, you know, just the overall audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it the intelligence kind of went over a lot of people's head. I, I think a lot of people are trying to focus on plot holes. Yeah. That aren't really plot holes. They just couldn't put it together because they're fucking idiots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you you need to understand that the writer has been writing for a very long time, well over two decades, and he's a huge fan of science fiction, specifically like based on new sciences and which makes sense. sciences that would be like in the future. Yeah. I don't know if men is really going to cover that at all. I don't, I don't know. really know much about what men is supposed to be about. I, yeah. I'm trying to keep that I. as clear as possible. Yeah. But I saw the rating and I'm expecting some crazy shit. Yeah. I mean, this movie has some graphic fucking shit in it. And apparently men has a, a stronger rating than that. So yeah. I love the science fiction stuff. It's a subgenre that really makes you think usually. Yes, science, bitch. <laughs> oh I don't know. I just, I think, like you said, there's not, there's not really plot holes in it. It's just, it's pieced together in a way specifically to not give away too much initially. Yeah. It builds up the mystery and uh, it makes the pieces that come together more intense and it and, was done that way on purpose not you know yeah and surprisingly you have to listen to what people are saying yeah like this isn't a michael bay action film no where most of the yeah. dialogue is just like entertainment yeah, yeah. this is important for you to listen to yeah. and understand the plot to listen to what people are saying yeah. It's not just going to be acted out because you're going to be real fucking confused. Yeah. But there's nothing that is a waste of time either, you know? Like, I don't no. like watching movies that are just like, there's a lot of dialogue, but there's... Just a fill space. Yeah, so much stuff that it's like, okay, get to the fucking point already. But everything that was in, that was part of this movie was, you know, critical yeah. to the point. Yeah, there was no point in the movie that there was like... A dialogue dump for exposition. They're not like, well, this is what's happening, and this is why, and this is how the yeah. story's going to progress. Here's here's a yeah. four minute monologue for the same <laughs> yeah. exact point that I'm in case to you make. haven't been yeah. paying attention up to this point. Here's exactly what's happening, and yeah. here's what's going to happen later. Yeah. <laughs> the entire synopsis just <laughs> recapped. This is far from that. 
I get it. There's some movies that are not for everyone. Like we discussed, like The Lighthouse was pretty, mm-hmm. you know, difficult. The lighthouse is for like most of no, no one. one, yeah, for sure. I get still that, scars. but but I still think like people have to be subjective or like just a little more objective when watching a movie because it's still a piece of art. It, it's presented in a way on purpose, and it's mm-hmm. meant to be interpreted in many different ways, not necessarily the way the creator of it intended, but that's kind of the beauty of it you know is that it can be something completely different than what they intended as perceived by someone else and that's yeah i think that's amazing and i think movies are getting smarter too Mm -hmm. because even the marvel movies are dipping their toes in like multiverse and shit that Mm -hmm. concepts that before they took several movies to try to explain it yeah that people would have a really hard time grasping yeah they're the uh, multiverse theory is definitely not a, a simple explanation. No. no. I like the thinkers, and it, it makes for good conversation, I'm hoping, for that. Yeah. I think we're ready to get into spoilers so that we can talk about um, things that we're holding back from talking about. Yeah. So, All yeah. the details. I'll have you read the synopsis. A biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply. Did she really sign up for it, though? She doesn't sign anything, but (laughs) she makes a decision to go. Yeah. So before we want to get into my notes that I took for it, does anybody want to talk about specific things before we start? Spoiler-free, since we're in the spoiler section, if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it. You can come back, or if you don't give a shit, give a a flying fuck about spoilers. Stick around, I guess. They're here for the jokes. It's a podcast. You can pause it. Go watch the pretty movie. (laughs) It is is really beautiful to look at. Holy shit, yeah, Yeah. it is. Well, we're in spoiler zone, so... uh, Was Natalie Portman a clone at the end of the movie? (laughs) Uh, <laughs> her glowing eyes tell me yes. Yes, but I don't think she was entirely herself at the end of the movie. I think it was... Well, that would be a clone. So you're saying she wasn't 100% clone, but she was partially herself? I I, I want to say physically, yes, clone. Mentally, not 100%. Because I think there was, there <gasps> but was I could knowledge also... that uh, I know I'm not the original of myself. But I could see that from from Kane too, yeah. because he said, "I don't think I'm him." Like, yeah, same thing. If you didn't have, like, if you were just a clone, you wouldn't. Why would you? You have would have that no person? reason to think that you're different. No, and I think it was pretty. The point was pretty solidified for the fact that Kane was actually the clone. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because he, yeah, you know, very much so. Clearly killed himself. So. His original self. Good old hot burning grenade. So uh, phosphorus. Phosphorus Good old hot hot burning grenade. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and man bear pig. (laughs) Man bear pig. I was just a big ass bear. I know. I mean, with all the cells being like transferred, it could have been part man bear and pig. True. Well, the ability to mimic the voices you could. Say it was partly human-ish. Yeah, animals are Testicles. strange because they 
because they have that the the ability to you know vocalize <sighs> stuff like you know like an actual bear can can roar or make sounds and stuff but it can't yeah. actually speak accurately mimic yeah. sounds yeah um and like that's pretty horrifying like a parrot yeah but if a, if a predator bigger than us that could easily kill us could mimic us uh-huh. yeah, yeah that'd be that's, that's fucking terrifying uh-huh. Okay, I'm going to get into my notes. Okay. Yes. And you guys can uh, break off of them at any point if you want something to explain during the scene. Um, there's plenty of things that we can point out. Our main character is Lena, played by Natalie Portman. Yes. Lena is interrogated by Wong in a biohazard suit and a power stance. She has no recollection of the details from her expedition. We receive context by going back in time, showing that Lena is a sad biology teacher that gets hit on by her co-worker. Mm, so sad. I'm going to go into that. Her co-worker invites her to a barbecue at his house with his wife. Yeah. Gets a little uncomfortably close. Classy. No, she just want to join you for your barbecue neck beard. Go away. <laughs> uh, while painting her bedroom wall white, her husband, Kane, returns home after he was missing for a year. He appears to be shell-shocked and unresponsive to her reasonable questions. Kane takes a sip of water and dribbles a little blood into his glass, and he's rushed to the hospital. Seems a bit excessive for a bloody lip. I don't yeah. feel well immediately in an ambulance screaming down the highway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in danger! Ooh, a little bit! <laughs> Before the ambulance can make it, however, the men in black ambush them, and they're forced to pull over, and both Lena and Kane are kidnapped. Lena wakes up in a cell. She promptly vomits and is introduced to Dr. Ventress, who explains why she's there and where Kane is. At no point during this scene does she get mouthwash or... Yeah. Yeah. Water. Yeah. She's like, you have a hangover. She just from, rides out the yak breath. From the drugs. Can she get some can she get some Gatorade? Some fucking Pedialyte? Nope. Yeah. They both head out to the balcony to observe the shimmer, which appears to be a giant force field wall around the tree line of the forest. Made of soap. Yeah. It's but- like the look of like so if you were to get one of those giant bubble wands and like make like soap. And then dip it and then lift it up and then, like, watch how the light hits mm-hmm. that before you blow it out. That's what the shimmer is. Or, like, water mixed with oil on the pavement. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah pretty, yeah. It's a very colorful movie. Yeah. yeah. It's something you definitely want to show to your Super ADHD pretty. children. <laughs> yeah. In 4K, a, if you can. <laughs> well, how, do you, how do you describe the coloration of it, though? It's, um... It's like iridescent. Rainbow? Yeah, like... Oh, prismatic. Like, like rainbow, iridescent, and yeah, prismatic, Prism- yeah. yeah. So it like refracts... It, it. Well, they go into that later, but it refracts everything. So you see all of the different colors and everything around you yeah. in the surface of it. I don't know what this means. I'm colorblind. Oof. <sighs> That's very sad, babe. Mm-hmm. Lena still hasn't gotten any mouthwash at this point. Still fantastic. Like piss. Like rotten dick. Like, like curdled foreskin. Like hot onions fucked a farmyard shithouse. Like hot onions <laughs> fucked a farmyard shithouse. Okay, curdled yep. foreskin yep. is yep. the most horrific uh-huh. 
that's, phrase I have ever heard. That's like a way more. It like it's the first time you heard it. It's not, but <laughs> who wrote that? Bobby Eggs. Yeah, that that doesn't really get to me. Oof! The the sound of it. <laughs> Oof! <laughs> All right, back to it. You can't cut straight back into that. Fucking... Ventress has to decide what to do. With Lena, considering they can't really let her go. She doesn't want to, either. Lena remembers a moment in bed with Kane a few days before his departure. Their relationship is playful and loving, but Kane can't give her any details about his mission. They start to bang it out before Lena realizes she was fantasizing about this moment on the balcony with a group of people hanging out around her. That's a little awkward. Smart place to do that. <laughs> Anya introduces herself being friendly and a little flirty. She introduces mm-hmm. Lena to her scientist friends who all have one thing in common. They're nerds. And they all signed up for the suicide expedition to go into the shimmer. They all <laughs> also have vaginas. Yes. Well, I didn't want to be sexist about it. I mean, it's noteworthy, though. <laughs> it's an entire it is, yeah. female. It's, it's an entire female party. Yeah. Because all of the gorilla men who they sent in before just died out. Yeah. I say you, they did. <laughs> they all they did. Sent, they sent multiple expeditions in, and none of them were uh, science-related or women. And they're like, well, this is the exact opposite. Kane was the only one that made it out alive. Technically. He yes. was the first one yes. to come out. He was the only one that ever came back out. Yeah. And they were immediately tracked down. Yeah. Uh, Lena decides, fuck it, my life can't possibly get any worse. <laughs> so she decides to join Ventress and the Powerpuff Girls for science. <laughs> Stop there it. it is. I'm in danger. There it is. Yes, yeah, science. Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> what the? What the? <laughs> <laughs> fucking Pinkman on the end of the Bitch. So aggressive. I would say for Lena, the main reason that made sense for her to go into this mission was simply because she had no life. You know, she was a scientist and she was working at a college. Johns Hopkins. Yeah, but she had no life. She, yeah, yeah, it it was. But she was obsessed with the absence of her husband and not knowing what happened to him. Completely consumed. Yeah. Yeah, So what is she going to do? Nothing else mattered. There wasn't even a a thought in her mind like, oh, my job or anything. No, nothing else mattered. Her normal day-to-day was just kind of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was just kind of mechanically working through the same things. It's understandable, and we'll we'll understand later on that literally every person in the group is flawed. Oh, yeah. And there's only slight differences. I mean, there's big differences on how they're flawed, but there's only slight differences on who eventually faces what fates they face. Yeah. And it's another conversation that's going to be very interesting to have. So that's why I'm trying to just speed through it. Uh, Lena had another memory about riding the dude that hit on her at her job, which was clearly a mistake because this dude's dick game is so bad that she had to do all the work. At least Oscar (laughs) Isaac was willing to be on top. This dude got no game. (laughs) (laughs) He literally just laid there the whole time. Yeah, he just laid there fucking looking up. That's not how people have sex. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's probably how some people have sex. (laughs) 
But it's not enjoyable. Well, I mean... Notice how she kicked the motherfucker out after the first time they had sex. Yeah, but immediately after. She was like, no. Immediately after. She was like, that dick trash. Oh, (laughs) damn. (laughs) After the girls cross the tree line, they all lose their memory for about three days and find their tent set up, but no communications or compass guidance. While they should all be far more concerned about why they collectively lost their memory for days, Ventress tells them all to move on, so they get gone. Go get! While exploring the forest swamp, they come across a boathouse with multiple species of flowers and plants growing from the same stem. Radic is attacked while investigating the boathouse. Something grabbed her backpack and was pulling her into the water. They managed to get her out and stand outside of the boathouse waiting for the attacker to reveal themselves. Boom goes the side of the boathouse. Yeah. God. <laughs> um, and Ventress is a bitch-ass captain because all she did was fucking stand there. That's all she does throughout the entire movie. Yeah. She yeah. doesn't observes. act on anything. She observes. Fucking psychologist. But, like, why not give any sort of direction? At the very least, if you're going to be present and, like, let everyone know your existence, at least participate. Or put someone in charge. Because it was a very confusing dynamic where they went in and she was clearly in charge but was not giving any direction, not leading by any way, letting them do their own thing. Selective leadership. That was not good. Super effective. If you're just gonna observe, For then you. just just be <laughs> just be MIA. If you're just gonna observe, then like you just watch and that's it. Yeah. And you're just not kill yourself. <laughs> that's not what I said. I'm saying just just actually do that. Don't give your input and then stand back and do nothing about it. it sounds like all of my previous bosses. Oof. <laughs> kind of shit. I've I've had a few like that too. Uh, well, turns out it was an assault gator who busts <laughs> through the boathouse and follows them ashore to chomp some more scientists. That was an angry motherfucker. <laughs> he was hungry. All that's around him is fucking plants and shit. He's oh, well, hangry. It heads for Lena, which was a huge mistake because yeah. she empties a clip into the board bastard and it dies. Well, fuck that guy. You switched attitudes real quick on the. What? He deserved it. I mean, I understand the reaction. Fuck that gator. By the way, this was Florida, obviously. Yeah. While inspecting the mouth of the gator, they realize it's heavily mutated with rows of teeth like a shark. While canoeing down the river in the next scene, Lena notices a bruise on her forearm, but explains it off due to the gator attack. Or the gator attack. The the gator attack. (laughs) Gatorac. Gatissi. What? That allegusy. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Laura's just full stop. <laughs> no. You guys, I'm fucking done with this. <laughs> I've had enough of your bullshit. <laughs> she doesn't like the allegusy. Stop. <laughs> you guys are disturbed. Oh, back on track. Funny haha. Shepard talks to Lena in the canoe about how nobody in the group volunteers for an expedition like this if everything is going right for them. Anya is an addict. Radek was or possibly still is a cutter. Ventress appears to be entirely alone. And, of course, Shepard lost a daughter to leukemia. Ventress, the um, psychiatrist, also appears to be completely insane. 
Yeah. Disconnected from something about like, everyone. There's something about psychiatrists and psychologists. They seem like they always tend kind to of are. venture into craziness. Yeah. yeah. It'd be crazy to study the crazy. I don't know exactly how it leads to it, but. Maybe just the more you learn about personality traits and things, like all you can do is focus on that. And you have to be, like you said, a certain level of crazy to want to deal with the crazy. You know? Yeah, I think that's what it is. They dock at a military base called Fort Amaya, where they find more mutations that are, in Lena's words, malignant, like a tumor. Not the movie. They enter an empty cafeteria in Fort Amaya, where they find an SD card with footage of the last group, which included Kane, cutting one of the soldier's stomachs open and reveal intestines that were moving like a snake inside of his body. Yeah. It's pretty gross. It's a pretty rough scene. Yeah. Did he feel anything? Because he was taking it like a champ. I don't think he did, because at that point he was kind of like checked out. Initially, there had to have been some kind of pain, but I think shock kind of kicks in after that. I mean, you don't get really any context. Uh, Yeah. Unless that guy was already dying, why would you take the effort to cut him open? It's (sighs) It's fucked up. He's going to die then. Maybe it was on the suspicion of something being wrong. Or maybe they, because we have no context. Oh, so he was probably like, something's moving inside of me. Yeah, or somebody else could have noticed something that was happening to him. Well, like Anya, when she was saying she could see her fingerprints move, and that was freaking her out. Yeah, yeah. That could have actually been genetic mutation for the fingerprint stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But full on, just like yeah. eel in the stomach, I don't, I don't know. That can't be explained away. No, and that obviously was not a hallucination because it was taped on camera. Yeah. yeah. Well, still, Anya tries to explain it away as if it was a trick of the light. She's like, I've seen it before. I scrape bodies off the ground as a trick of the light. It's fine. Uh-huh. Uh, That's a trick of the light. <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> they discover that same body in the pool of the fort's recreation area where the skeletonized corpse of the soldier is separated into multiple parts against the pool wall like some kind of fungus. Real strange-looking fungus, but... I don't know even what happened. His torso is separated from his legs, because his legs are kind of like still dangling off and like on the ground. Yeah. His torso is up the wall. Where where they cut him... Where they cut him open... It seemed to just, like, grow. Uh, it, yeah, wall. it was just, like, an opening in the side of the pool is kind of what it looked like. Yeah. And then everything else, yeah, just kind of Separated. fizzled and branched out from there. Yeah. That's some really insane visuals there. There's a fungus that grows in a forest, specifically, that does, like, spreads in that kind of way. Yeah. It reminded so me of, like, mutation. what grows in, like, caves. Like, is it... St- Stalagmite or so, like that crystallization. That's what it reminded me of. Like the like the icicle type things. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stalagmites are from the ceiling. Yeah. There's two. Stalactites yeah. are the ones that grow up on the ground. Yes. yes. Again, the visuals in this movie. Yeah. Even so when well the, done. Even when disturbing or like convincingly so. Yeah. Yeah, but Ventress again, that fucking bitch. She watched that video. Everyone was extremely traumatized by it. And then she just disappeared because she knew exactly where it happened. Went to the pool, found it, and then everybody goes to find her, and she's just like, 
hmm, this is interesting. And then everyone else is like, what the fuck happened here? Like, yeah, they're horrified. And she's just like, okay. Another day at the office. Science. (laughs) Ventress takes the night shift, keeping watch in the tower while everyone else sleeps. Lena has another memory of Kane leaving a day early for his mission with very little explanation or affection. Lena is reasonably restless with these memories of regret and sadness. She gets up to test some of her blood under a microscope to discover that they are all actively being changed in the environment. I think that scene actually happens later. I think I preemptively put that in there. But that does happen. Yeah. I don't think it happens at this moment. I think you're right. I think it was a little bit. I think it may have. I think she did it twice, two separate occasions, just to make sure because she wasn't like. Uh, Okay, she she was. She was still thinking maybe she was crazy, right? Yeah. Well, she heads out to check on Ventress, who shows Lena a map on or shows Lena a map of their plans for the coming days. Ventress suggests she was unsure about Lena omitting her relationship with Kane from the group but agrees that once they'd seen that tape, that it was a good idea. Because it clearly shows that he wasn't fucking insane, and her motivation would be uh, questionable. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. I think that's ridiculous, though. I think that if she went into it and she told them that her husband did this, was gone for a fucking year, and then just reappeared. She was honest honest from the the beginning, then I think that they would have totally understood why she was there. Yeah, they wouldn't have run into one of these issues. No. They both hear a noise near the fence line, and the rest of the group comes out to investigate. Shepard is grabbed by something in the dark and dragged away. In the morning, Anya expresses her opinion that the mission has been fucked, and they need to head back. Of course, Ventress doesn't give a fuck and continues to expedition with or without them. Yeah. In a flashback with Wong, he explains to Lena... Ventress had cancer and therefore had nothing to lose. Yep. So why blindly follow her? Because no one knew that. Mm -hmm. Well, Lena explained that she kind of had an idea that she had cancer. Lena did? Yeah. Well, that's because she's a biologist. Yeah. But, she, I mean, she, she didn't have any solid proof. No. And they were just following the leader. I mean, that's just how, like, that's how anything works. Yeah. There's a leader to follow you. But it also later uh, explains why she was not replicated. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to replicate a host that cancer. is cancerous. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I guess it also does kind of make sense as to why Lena would have had the hunch that Ventures had cancer. The initial scene where we're introduced to Lena, she's talking about cancer in yes. her lecture. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of tie-ins into it, and we'll yeah. get through some of it in trivia. Some of it is not worth explaining, since I'm sure this is already going to be a pretty long podcast. So, yeah, uh, Lena decides to search for Shepard's body before continuing on, but she confirms the unfortunate truth that Shepard was in fact attacked and killed, finding her corpse with its throat ripped out. The group approaches several plants in the shape of bodies. Radic explains that the shimmer is a prism that refracts all DNA, meaning every single one of them is experiencing body manipulation in real time. They blow off that creepy bit of very important information <laughs> yeah. and keep moving until they come across a derelict house that exactly resembles Lena's home. While they all sleep, Lena is restless again. She gets up to test some of her blood again. 
and she focuses on the memory of her cheating with her co-worker Dan, who also turns out to have a wife. <laughs> she realizes the guilt she carries from it, knowing it was a mistake to fuck some lazy douche canoe named Dan. Oh, douche canoe Dan. <laughs> I, I didn't... It stood out to me when I saw the when I saw the staircase and the and the, just the fact that it looked just like Lena's house when we watched the movie. But now I'm thinking, like, what was the significance? Like, was it a replication of Kane's memory why the house was there, or was it Lena? Uh, yes. 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 On both levels, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By by the theory of like the refraction of everything, it probably came from both of them. Mm-hmm. Lena is really awoken by Anya smoking her in the face with the butt of her gun. <laughs> Everyone other than Anya wakes up tied to chairs while Anya accuses Lena of lying about her husband, meaning she likely lied about everything else. That's fair. They're all losing it, yeah. but just before Anya commits serial murder, she hears Shepard screaming, help me, in the distance. Next thing you know, a massive bear monster with a skull face walks into the house, panting and opening its mouth to repeat, help me, Ugh. over and over again in Shepard's voice. This scene was so well done. <laughs> Fucking disturbing as hell. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect the first time we watched Annihilation. And when that scene came in, like, I was genuinely disturbed. I was like, what the fuck? Really fucking freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. Why every time it opens its mouth is it like saying, help me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and then it's so aggressive on top of that. Yeah. Uh, at least for me, I remember thinking the first time we watched it was like that she was like somehow trapped in the bear, or, like her consciousness yeah. was, or something like that. Like, I could see that. That she wasn't actually dead. That's just kind of what went through my head at the time. Yeah. But on the second watch, it's like, yeah, like we, I mean, we already saw her body. We knew she was not there. Right. Yeah. The bear being a predatory animal. Picking up evolutionary traits from different things in this fucking weird prismatic shimmer yeah. DNA clusterfuck. It easily could have picked up the ability to just mimic sound. Yeah. And with his face melted off, probably didn't have any eyes. So no. So that's probably the it, only yeah. way that he could pick up on that stuff. Right. I think, I think it, it seemed that way that it was using it as a tactic, but I think it was not really capable of using that. I think it was something like almost instinctual because it was left from, you know, it wasn't going to take advantage of something that was left with it because it was the last dying breaths of some, the last person that she killed and it like kind of like refracted onto the bear. I don't think it would just automatically use that as as an attractant for murdering more people. I think the bear for the most part is also in a fucking serious amount of pain. It's oh, face is fucking I'm missing. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I don't think it wants to be alive as much as like any oh. other suffering animal. But its DNA probably has also been altered, and it's not necessarily. Yeah. It's not a regular bear anymore. Oh hell no! no. But that doesn't mean it's not in pain. That it's not expressing mm-hmm. the same thing that it's saying repeatedly. The bear is probably wanting just as much help as a fucking person that it just killed and refracted the emotion onto. And with what you were just saying, if it's been in there the entire three years that (sighs) they have confirmed this anomaly has been there, 
Yeah, because there's no way a bear just fucking showed up. In that Has way. it evolved enough or mutated enough to have that kind of thought process? Like, Dude. was that help me an actual cry for help? I mean, I think it... Is that it's even just, theoretically it's, possible? Yeah. It's kind of like a language barrier thing. So I think, like, any cry for help is noticeable in any kind of species. Yeah, whether you understand the language or not. So I think no matter what, it was crying for help. It's like an animal that has rabies, I think, is the best thing I can describe the bear as. Like okay. It's attacking people, but it's also just fucking scared and mm-hmm. in horrible pain. Doesn't know what the hell's going yeah. on. Yeah. Okay. And it just attacks out of fear and or just disillusion. It's a much more rational and biological way to think about it. And with that context is a lot more disturbing too. I mean, visually, yeah, yeah. visually the entire scene is really fucking disturbing, uh-huh. but with more context, it gets even worse. The more and more you think about it. <sighs> yeah. Anya comes back to unsuccessfully shoot at the bear, but is mauled and had her jaw ripped off. Yeah. It was pretty gnarly. By far the most gruesome part in the movie where she gets her fucking jaw ripped off. Yeah. On par with the grudge. That happened in the grudge? Yeah. yeah. I don't remember you don't that. remember that? Oh, it did. It was very brief, but well, I, don't, I don't think they actually showed the jaw being ripped off in the grudge, but not. they showed the aftermath. Yeah. I remember the aftermath. Yeah. So I remember that. That was the first tenant that was before in the, in the grudge. I think I, I compared the jaw removal more to Kyoko and Ex Machina. Yeah. And Kyoko wasn't a, a robot, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's it's a lot more gruesome because the, the person lost their jaw. Than yeah. Right. Yeah. And she was also in this movie, but just for a second. Mm-hmm. That a actress student. is in every single one of Alex Garland's movies. And in the show, she's the main character. Devs. Mm-hmm. The bear decides to attack Lena who's still tied up and pins her against the wall. But Raddick gets up and empties a clip into the bear's skull, and it dies. Nice. I mean... Die, man, bear pig. He was a jerk anyway. How dare you suffer in my proximity. Disappoint. The remaining three women leave early in the morning, but before venturing further, Raddick decides she doesn't want to go through with the chaos and struggle through her death. Uh, She wants to die peacefully, and flowers start to sprout from her wrist, or her wrist wounds and arms. Radic walks away from Lena, turning a corner and seemingly disappearing with a group of plant people in the field. Assuming she died peacefully as a flower person. Right. I think she had peace in the fact that she chose the way she was going to die, which is congruent with what her issue was, which was cutting. Naturally, cutting isn't a a form of suicide. It's typically a way to reach out or or release pain. But the way that she was cutting, when you cut, like, horizontally isn't going to kill you. Yeah. It just leaves scars. It leaves reminders. It's... Something usually people regret later in life because you do it early. And it sticks around, yeah. Unless it continues even further and eventually you'll kill yourself with it. But she was kind of vilified because she still went out on her own terms. She made the decision that she wanted to go out peacefully. She didn't want to continue with the mission. Yeah. And she didn't want to die a horrible death like she just watched one of her friends and potentially yeah. the the consciousness of another friend that she had to shoot that was inside of a bear. That's she, such a divisive subject too. As suicide is. Yeah. 
It really <laughs> is. Like you, you either. I, I think for the most part, you either sympathize and can understand. I want to go out on my own terms, mm. or you're a hundred percent against it. Yeah, and oh, that's that's the most selfish thing you could ever do. Blah blah blah. All the opposing ends and the yeah, all the strong feelings to either side of it too. It's it's. Well, I think when someone's committing suicide, I don't have anything other than sympathy for them. There's something that drove them to that point, and it's right. very unfortunate that he didn't get help prior to getting to that point. That's a dark of point. Of course. So I, I don't blame anybody for going that far, but I'm, I'm not going to say someone like that is selfish. There are people that would say that, though. I know. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The next segment, properly titled The Lighthouse. <laughs> Smell like piss. Like rotten dick. Like Damn like it. curdled foreskin. <laughs> like hot onions. Fuck the farmyard shithouse. Ugh. Farts! Farts! Goddamn farts! <laughs> Lena makes her way seemingly without Ventress through the forest to the beach. She follows the beach to the lighthouse, which appears to be surrounded by crystallized trees. So cool looking. Once she enters the lighthouse, she finds a camera on a tripod that was somehow still working. She checks the last video recorded and finds Kane explaining his confusion of his own identity after spending so long in the shimmer. He ends up killing himself with a phosphorus grenade, but not before telling someone behind the camera that if he ever gets out, to find Lena. After Kane burns up, a duplicate Kane walks in front of the camera, which is very shocking to yeah. Lena. Uh, Lena heads into the hole in the lighthouse that leads into the bowels of what appears to be the asteroid the giant strike. Butthole. The butthole itself. <laughs> she finds Ventress, who appears to have no eyes and speaks very nihilistically, essentially saying that everyone will be assimilated with the alien force or they will be annihilated. Hey, that's the name of the movie. They did it. That's the name of the movie. Ventress turns into light dust and reforms into a strange rotating volcanic butthole that steals some of Lena's blood to replicate her. Lena and her clone dance around for a bit, making the same movements. The clone beats up on her, uh, but Lena seemingly outsmarts it, handing it a phosphorus grenade, and she pulls the pin. And eventually, the whole lighthouse is on fire, because I guess uh, the phosphorus grenades just, like, set fire, like, white-hot fire to anything. Yeah. Uh, Lena returns after the shimmer was destroyed, because the whole lighthouse went up. That was then, like, like, burned to death and died. And she continues getting questioned. She explains that it wasn't destroying the environment, but that it was changing everything and making something new. She just didn't know what new it was making. It makes sense, though, why it kept getting bigger, though, because they kept the alien's intention is to assimilate the entire planet, but they kept feeding it, though, they kept sending more people in. What. I don't think it would have mattered, though. And, and making it... Ex- no, I think it would have just gotten bigger no matter what. Sure, but, I mean, they kept presenting it more opportunities to do different things. and It presented the opportunity for different genetic mu- 
expectations. Mm -hmm. The size of it, I don't think would have mattered. It was going to do it anyway. I think it also ties back into Lena's original lecture at the very intro of the movie. Cells. About cells splitting. Mm -hmm. Infinitely splitting. Yep. Just going and going. And but going that they, every cell splits into two. Yeah. And they keep doing that. Yeah, it, it's exponential growth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, finally, Lena is reunited with the Kane who was feeling much better after the Shimmer was defeated. She approaches Kane and she says he's not Kane anymore. He responds, I don't think so. Then he asks if she is Lena. She doesn't respond and they embrace each other while both of their eyes start to glow. That's the end. It's the exact ending of the movie. Both of their eyes glow, which was not a trait that was proven to show artificial alien genes prior to that scene. Well, it's definitely a trait to show that they're not human because human eyeballs don't do that. You could also speculate that it could be some new genetic mutation. Bioluminescence. Yes, science, bitch. God damn it. Bioluminescence does exist, but typically it's in deep water creatures for the most part. And that is an evolutionary trait for them because yeah. there's no light in deep water. They had their bodies adapted to attract prey by creating light through their body. That's sick. So it could be, in theory, no, a, an adaptive trait. Yeah, it's deep sea creepy, fish are like you attracted to my body. Yeah, like the the fucking anglerfish. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. a little it's a little well, like like they're not that's... attracted to the fish itself. It's attracted to the the light. Right, light. right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Is it a clone thing? If your eyes are glowing or not? Was Lena a clone at the end of the movie? I believe that she was. I don't. I I think she was changed in the shimmer. I think every single person initially. The reason I think that she was a clone is because of the tattoo on her arm that was not hers. That was growing on her while she was going through the shimmer. Sure. And the fact that she didn't know the answers to tons of questions that she unloaded so much information but then the specifics were I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Like five different times. But the times shimmer was the already end. proven to fuck with your memory as well. It was the first thing that you noticed with the shimmer. Yeah. They they lost sure. three days. And throughout the entire thing you don't know how much time they lost. Probably no. why Kane was stuck in there for a year. Yeah. Or whenever he was sent into it. Probably a little bit less than a year. But it could have felt like only a few days to him. But you're losing so much time. The only way that they could have tracked the amount of time that they took was by rations. But at the very end, before she left, the alien was taking her form, taking her shape, practicing her movements, everything that she was doing. And you think that she was the one that got away in that scenario? She set it on fire. Did she? Yeah. But was it her? Yes. The alien burned very different than a, a human would because you saw it burn before. You saw Cain burn because he set himself up with a phosphorus grenade. He pretty much went right up. The alien started burning and it was still like it's in its like weird metallic form. And its arms were burning first for a while. 
while I was still holding the grenade. And then it was like walking around while it was on fire. Like it was moving just fine. It was just setting everything else on fire. Trying to adapt. Yeah. I mean, that's not a human version of Natalie Portman or Lena that was doing that. That wasn't her trapped in it. I don't think it was. I think that Kane is a clone. Well, maybe he's not because once the grip of the assimilated like alien thing was destroyed, maybe that makes him mostly then he started himself. Getting better. Yeah, he he's the still a replicate. Just, he's not yeah. necessarily. If she's Kane. asking, "Are you Kane?" Well, technically, he's not. A lot of his cells have been changed. And he probably doesn't feel like himself. He said in the shimmer in the lighthouse that he felt like his skin is liquid and his brain is just gone. Yeah. A certain point is he just go into a certain psychosis, a mental state that. Yeah. And just to deal with what's happening to you. It's like you're constantly hallucinating. You can't tell what's what. Yeah, so I don't know. I I, just, I, I don't know. Based 100%. on what we saw on screen. It definitely looked like she killed the alien. But again, that's just her perspective. That's the story she told. We don't know that that's actually what happened. That's well, a story. The- she was the only one who got out. The, the second one to ever get out. Everyone else died. There's no information. The lighthouse was burned to the ground. So how do we really know if she is the alien that survived or if she's herself that survived mm. with some of the alien but DNA? But if you take the untrustworthy narrator approach, then that means that a lot of it can be hearsay. All of it could be hearsay. I don't like that. I, I think that it's a, a main story. I don't believe that it's all being told by her. I think we're following the storyline uh, the way it happened with her. Because she's not remembering a lot of the details. If it was completely narrated by her, she wouldn't remember even all of that. Well, every detail that we saw, it was remembered by her. She wasn't explaining every single detail that we saw. We didn't hear her explain them. When she came out of the shimmer? Well, when she came out of the shimmer, she was... Well, that's what I'm saying was the tr- the the change. So, like, the beginning where everything that we saw was just from her perspective. And then once she went into the shimmer, that's when things got well, She's blurry. the main character. It doesn't I mean know. that she's the narrator. It doesn't mean that the story follows her. I think it's kind of hard to tell. For me, at least, from for, for what I saw. It could be from her perspective, and it, it, it might also not be. But I don't think that, it was from her perspective. But that was the way that it was implied, though. Because it kept cutting back to her in the middle of a story and what we just saw. So the, to me, that implied that that was that she was the one telling it. Maybe, maybe that wasn't the intention, but that's the way that I perceived it. It's possible. I mean, it's very possible. I just think that it's it's a more comprehensive storyline if you're not putting that variable into it. Because if you have an untrusting untrustworthy narrator then it just fucks up any situation that you can have in the entire storyline i mean it could all be fucking fake then yeah it could just all be bullshit and then yeah. i don't, I don't want to trust anything that's told then yeah yeah thinking thinking back now to her being interviewed pretty much all she kept saying was i don't remember i don't know i don't remember yeah because it directly correlates with what she was asking kane he didn't exactly. remember Yeah. In that, can you say, mm. like, maybe she was assimilated then if she's so forgetful? But also, the yeah. shimmer itself fucked with your memory. Yeah. So she was, like, 
traumatized so, no matter what. So there's no yeah, definitive yeah. answer of whether or not they're both assimilated clones or if one of them is and one of them isn't or if they're both normal. I think in that ambiguity, it's a really smart way to kind of leave that open for interpretation. Yeah. And that That's was the point of the movie. Fucking hell, man. But, uh, like, you can talk yourself in circles for The mind days. fuckery. Mm-hmm. The mind fuckery. Yeah. I just think it's really interesting. Like, wow. that, not, there's not a lot of movies out there that make you think like this one. And I don't think I even thought that yeah. hard about it the first time I watched it. But ultimately, oh, man. I think it's like... for a second watch. Yeah. It shows human nature the most visceral form. It's like... Just like the tattoo, it's an Ouroboros, Ouroboros of a snake eating its own tail. It's a chaos, essentially. Everything that happens will happen again and again and again. So it's just a, a constant cycle of chaos. And nobody is normal, really, in the movie. Everybody is traumatized and affected right. by one thing or another. I really want to go back and watch it again, though. Especially having this discussion about it, too. Because yeah. I remember spewing out some nonsense <laughs> when, <laughs> when we watched it. I don't remember exactly what I said. I remember more what happened in the movie, not what we were discussing. But with that new insight, I want to go yeah. back and watch it again. Well, I think we all have, like, varying opinions. Yeah. So it, it just yeah. proves to how inconclusive but thought-provoking the movie is, which is exactly, I'm assuming, what Alex Garland wanted. Fuck you, Al- Algars. Algar. Algor. Oh, no. <laughs> Man, bear, pig, Algar. <laughs> Fuck. Unintentional. Alex, stop fucking with people's heads. How dare you, Alex? No, don't, don't stop heads. fucking with people's heads. Just Yeah, you're not going to get that, because I'm assuming men is going to be real fucked up. Probably. <laughs> The poster looks real strange. Those teeth. The, the poster looks real strange. <laughs> I remember opening the poster as like right after it got delivered. I was like, what the fuck is this? What is this? That was before we actually started covering Alice Garland's yeah. stuff. Yeah. That was but there's no way that's not going to be thought provoking if it's Alice Garland's. Uh, yeah. It, it, it seems like a basic horror movie plot line, but I highly doubt that's all. It's, it's gonna not going to be basic. It's going to be fucking <laughs> so fucking disturbing. Get ready to have your mind fucked. So not to spend too much more time. We've all described our opinions about this movie. I think we all loved it, but have differing opinions about what th- certain things mean. And that is exactly what Alex Garland wanted. So Good job, man. <laughs> Yeah. Good job, Algar. Shit. Shit. Oh fuck. Year twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. did you say? Oh, fuck. Oh, as good as it looks too. It looks really good. Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee. All the VFX that went into it, I'm gonna say probably like forty five. And that's forty five, not four two five. Forty five million. million. Yes. Forty five mil. Four to five million. <sighs> No. <laughs> what studio released the movie? A24. It's all of his movies. Men is A24. A24. Their fucking range is everywhere. Did I overestimate that? I, I think that the only overestimation for A24 would be like over 100,000. 
or a hundred million? Hundred million. Not hundred thousand. Hundred million. Oh no. No, they're they're usually they're usually like he said below a hundred, but um they they, 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 they could have some like, some pretty high ones. Yeah. I'd say they range from like two to sixty sixty five million. Yeah, sixty five, seventy. Uh, and I I don't know the full catalog of A twenty four. Yeah. They've had some really big names. I mean, this okay. one was really I'm pretty. Stick, I'm going to stick at 45. Very. Though. And this is a pretty big name as well, too. Yeah. I'm torn. Because visually, it was beautiful. Yeah. The movie did pretty oh, well. I feel like I'm going to go more like 35. 35 and 45? Yeah. We're pretty close. We usually are. <laughs> I'm in danger. Oh, no. Who's in danger? Laura, because it was 40 million. So we're right in the we middle. We split it again. Yeah. We split the fucking difference again. 35. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yes, science. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the fact that it was A24 okay. and not knowing the official release date and what it was up against <laughs> were my deciding factors. And ultimately, the reason that I went lower end was because um, the cast was primarily female. So, yeah. They don't get paid as much. Oh, you had to make it political. Did not. I made it real. That's not political. Well. (laughs) It's the way of the world. (laughs) It's fucked up, but. uh, It's true, though. You're not wrong. Yeah. Well, we know what we say about those uh, Hollywood eggs. eggs. Smell like piss. Like rotten dick. Like like curdled foreskin. Like hot onions. Fuck the farmyard shithouse. Yes. Hot onions. Fuck the farmyard shithouse. That's such a great line. So (laughs) disgustingly vivid. Yeah. Disgustingly vivid. You can see it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, like the the vapors wafting off. (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Yucko. Annihilation opened third the week it was released under Black Panther and Game Night. Oh, yeah. Okay. Opening weekend, it made $11,071,584. Not terrible. Their but domestic. Not great. No. Domestic box office was $32,732,301. International box office was $10,338,614. Worldwide box office came out to $43,070,950. They barely made their money back. Yeah. And then DVD and Blu-ray sales was uh, $7,455,991. That's a little bit. It's about 50. But you'll understand uh, the reason that it made... So little, especially in international box office and domestic in trivia, which we will get to right now. Due to a poorly received test screening, David Ellison, a financier at Paramount, became concerned that the film was too intellectual and too complicated and demanded changes to make it appeal to a wider audience, including making Natalie Portman's character more sympathetic and changing the ending. Producer Scott Rudin sided with Garland in he his said, desire to not alter the film, <laughs> yeah. defending the film and refusing to take notes. Rudin, <laughs> final cut. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> and that's why you have people that got your back funding this shit. 
because some asshat is going to get scared like him. Yeah, some douche no. that only sees profitability. Yeah. That's not a completely good story because David Ellison came back and fucked over their marketing. Row? They were only released theatrically in America and China and everywhere else. Wow. They had to make a deal with Netflix to release 11 days after screenings in America and China. Oh, this no would have been underhanded. Europe at all, or this is totally fucking European. Like this is their niche. This is the kind of movie that does great. Probably it was made in Europe. <laughs> what the fuck? That's absurd. Paramount, Paramount fucked them. Paramount fucked themselves. They already put Pretty their much, yeah. they put their own money into it, and then they trusted some idiot. I get it. It costs money to release something broad. It does. Sure. sure. But at this point, everything was digital. So the cost to actually release this movie everywhere, it's like fucking pennies on the dollar. You know how much it costs for them to send me a copy of this movie? $45. You know how much they made off of me? 65% box office revenue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hope the, they fired the that guy. The marketing is the biggest thing that gets people to go to see a movie, and they did, like, almost nothing of that, even here in America. Oh, absolutely. And, um, I mean, Netflix just sells at a base price that isn't even, it's it's not recorded. No, and these movies aren't going to make, it, like, they're not going to come any, especially if it's a big production, they're not going to come anywhere near what they need to make <sighs> to, to get that return, you know? Movies that are specifically made by Netflix or other like streaming services, they're done on different parameters with different actors and like different sets where they can actually do things for a lot lower budget because no matter what, they're not going to make the same amount of money that they could for a box office release. Like they're just, they're not going to come anywhere near it. Even if it's a huge one, you know? I mean, obviously they weren't wrong. That it's going to go over a lot of people's heads because it clearly did with the ratings because people are too confused. And I think the, some of the main plot holes that people point out is like if it's a direct line from the shoreline to the lighthouse, then why not just run armored vehicles to it? From well, the- I also did say why not just like shoot at it. Yeah. But I think that's perfectly explained away within the... Uh, you forget everything within the first yeah. three days that you head into the shimmer. Or seemingly instantly upon crossing the threshold. Yeah. Yep. And then blank. If yeah. you're three driving days. a vehicle or <laughs> flying a helicopter. Yeah. Well, that's why I thought just like yeah. shoot a missile or a gun at it, you know? Ooh. Like not don't send anybody in there, but just like send something to explode the outside of it and see what happens. Yeah. I guess you gotta be like precise and you can't get anything over it to like Yeah. Yeah, depending on the uh, actual it's, effect. It's a area. lot of speculation for a movie that's mostly speculation in the first place. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very unknown. More, I don't see it as a plot hole. Yeah. I think all the plot holes can be easily I don't see it as a plot the, hole, but I <laughs> I see it as a, a kind of... Um, thinking point. I see it as a thinking point. Yeah. For sure. But I also see it as an unbelievable um, scenario to happen on, like, U.S. soil because... We would just blow it up. 
we're not we're not we're not not gonna spend three years trying to figure this shit out i'm sorry but we're trying to blow that shit up well the plot was thought (laughs) up by a british person so yeah Yeah. but yeah you're right the first instinct yeah for sure (laughs) it's blow that shit up yeah i I, I don't know well let's well let's try it and then it's like do it yeah let's try it I mean, they evacuated the area. They already did that. It was clear they had no, they had no concerns. They no evacuated more. it because it was about to be consumed. Yeah, but no. they, but it was already evacuated. You know, like they had, there, there'd be no reason for them and to be concerned about blowing it up. If they were going to try to blow it up, they would have done it right after they knew what happened. Yeah. The poster of this movie, I heard it described on the. Straight Chilling podcast that covered it was that it looks like a a predator movie, (laughs) which is a what? Okay, if you look at if you look at the poster, you could be convinced because it's like the jungle in the background is Natalie Portman, it's like mysterious. You could mistake it for like a predator movie or like some kind of alien movie. Is is there a predator in the picture? Well, probably this doesn't have to be a predator in the picture. The feel most of the predator predator movie movie posters didn't have predator in the picture. For me, something that is actually unique and stands out as yeah, see something that is a clear, like, not a clear, but like a potential possibility, that is way more interesting to me and way more terrifying, okay, you know? Look at, look at this poster. I know. I've I could see it. how the stretch could be. Sure. If a layman's looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're okay. fighting something in the jungle. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Fear what's inside has got to be some kind of aliens. (laughs) Yeah, there's some aliens in there. Aliens. Yes, science, bitch. Francis McDormand was considered for the role of Doctor Ventress. Before Jennifer Jason Leigh was cast. I'm glad it wasn't her. Why? Because McDormand is awesome. I know she is, but you were supposed to hate Ventress. I don't want to hate Frances McDormand. She's great. <laughs> the first base the crew encounters within the Shimmer is named The Southern Reach. The movie is based on the Southern Reach trilogy. It's based on the book. Oh, what? Cool. The abandoned house they camp at within the Shimmer is architecturally identical to the suburban house Lena and her mm-hmm. husband live in yes. outside of the Shimmer. Yes. Another example of the echoes. Yes. Julianne Moore and Tilda Swinton were in talks to star in the movie. Any mention as to what roles? No. Ah, damn. I think Julianne Moore probably would have been Ventress. What about Tilda Swinton? Uh, maybe Ventress. No. <laughs> also Ventress. No. Everybody has. No. I, <laughs> I think Tilda Swinton would have been um, Anya. Badass. Uh, she would have been the badass, like more aggressive. That. I could see and that. then Julianne Moore would have been the like boss bitch that didn't do anything. Not like nothing against Julianne Moore, but that's just kind of. Okay. I've seen her in that role a few times, and she's pretty good at okay. it. Still better than Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, director Alex Garland decided not to reread <laughs> the novel Annihilation. Okay. Instead, he decided to adapt it like a dream of the book. Wait, so there's. A- a book called Annihilation? Yeah, it's in this the trilogy. It's the oh. first book of the trilogy. He based it on the movie, but he decided not to read the book again. But and, he had read and it. base it and adapt it like a dream of the book. So, so it's he kind of just did. adaptation at all. So he just did what he remembered. Mm-hmm. And built off of that. 
that's cool and I respect that, but that's fucking arrogant as hell to no, just not even not for a genius like that. Uh, uh wait, what did you say? Arrogant as fuck. Yes. <laughs> oh god. God damn Babe. We, this is, this is what our 17th, 18th uh, episode of podcasts. A lot of these movies you've already seen once or twice. Uh-huh. You still do research. You watch <sighs> the commentary. You watch anything that you can. You do research. You make sure that you have all the plot points. You take notes. You do all of that stuff just to make sure that we have a cohesive conversation about a movie that we care about and it still goes off the rails constantly yep yes alex garland took a light approach at covering a book because he thought his screenplay was better and honestly probably is but he's sniffing his own farts and they smell real good but you don't know though why are you giving him that much credit because i've heard it i've, I've listened to the audiobooks <laughs> of his books he's a great fucking writer and I love Ex Machina, Annihilation. I love 28 Days Later. Sunshine was pretty great. That was also adapted off a of book. The only one that I don't like is Never Let Me Go, which was just a boring The Island it's adaptation. really fucking boring. But that was also adap- adapted from a book. Did you read that one? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I didn't do the trivia on that one. I haven't looked deeper into that story. I, don't know. I just think that's pretty, like... Arrogant or not, I... I liked the movie, but I just Still gets think the that's. Job done. I just think that's pretty arrogant. I thought it was smart. I thought it was cool to make it like a dream of the. I mean, I don't want any movie to be exactly like the book. If I wanted the book, no, read neither the book. do I. Hundred percent. I I agree with you. 100%, if it's the same plot, but, I mean, it's very obvious. It's the same name of the book. Yeah. I don't think he's just assuming he's a better writer than the fucking author of the book. He's just. You guys both said that he was sniffing his own farts. Kind of is. A little bit. But he's got great smelling farts. I didn't think the same thing. Nobody. Nobody has great smelling farts. Smell like piss. Like like curdled foreskin. Curdled foreskin. Like hot onions. Fuck the farmyard shithouse. Oscar Isaac filmed this movie in Star Wars Episode 8 The Last Jedi. On adjacent studio lots, he had the same trailer for both films and would often film scenes for both movies on the same day. Oh, God. (laughs) Wow. The snake tattoo that appears on Lena's forearm is not there before she enters the Shimmer. It also appears on the arm of Anya, as well as on the body of the soldier killed on the wall in the building they enter. The tattoo... Is a symbol of a snake eating itself, which ties into the film's theme of self-destruction. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't notice it on the body. The soldier, I didn't either. I didn't either. The plot shares several similarities with the H.P. Lovecraft's 1927 short story, The Color Out of Space. Also adapted into a film in the same year. Both movies share a similar color palette and involve a meteor that crashes on planet Earth, an alien entity that challenges plants or changes plants, animal life, and alters the landscape around it. Oh my god. 
Color Out of Space had Nicolas Cage in it, and it was incredible. Yeah, I think that's pretty similar, because it was, like, molding things together, too. Yeah, it was fucking crazy intense. It like, did that was the... more body horror melding together of shit. Well, I remember it started out with, like, the meteor, and then, like, the stuff t- started growing, and um, they were, like, they it was, like, a farm-type area, and then it infected. And the llamas. Yeah, and then it infected, like, a well, and then, like, the water, and I don't know, like, everything just started getting crazy. But the most noteworthy part of that movie, the movie itself, I don't know, like, the book, um, was that Nicolas Cage is fucking amazing, you know? He just started out as, like, a normal guy, like, going about his life, and then shit got crazy, and then he just went, like, he trans- he transformed into Nick Cage. <laughs> so abruptly in this movie and perfectly and i loved it so much it was so weird the alien life form is not aggressive all the organic life forms which are not aggressive plants animals peaceful people become symbiotic with the alien life form and they are assimilated on the other side the aggressive and self-destructive people are annihilated yeah lena as well as Josie, deny all the aggressiveness and self-destruction, and so they are assimilated by the alien life form and not destructed, unlike the other women from the squad. Josie was radic. I don't know if she is necessarily hmm. assimilated. She just, I guess, becoming a plant form was assimilation. I, yeah. Yeah, she just, yeah, she just accepted being... That was just that form of assimilation. Yeah. And then the self-destructive ones, and it. I mean, she was the one that was cutting, so I assume that she would be the self-destructive type. She was, but I don't know. I think because she gave herself willingly, she she kind of wanted to go into that and be a part of it. Yeah. I think she just kind of knew what was going to happen anyways and was like, why fight She kind of willed it into place. Yeah. She, as soon as she was, like, making that decision, she had, like, plants growing out of her. I feel like she was the smartest woman in that group. <sighs> yeah, she just let it happen. Not to take away from anyone else who was in that group, but I feel like she was the smartest in the group. I guess other than Natalie Portman. Yeah. Yeah. She was by far the most observant out of any of them. They were all scientists, but she was the only one who was fascinated by anything she was seeing. Everyone else was just kind of just going through it to survive but she was like these plans like this is different this is not nothing i've ever seen she was excited about everything well i think that the general consensus is that the movie was very good yeah so everything is done trivia is done so what the fuck are we still recording for them because i have to tell people where they can reach out okay they can email us at beandubpodcast at gmail.com or they can reach out to us on any social medias. Actually, only two. Instagram or Twitter at BeNubbedPod. They do that. Nobody does. We're, <laughs> we're pretty awesome. <laughs> but we're leaving it out there if anybody does. And if at any point anybody wants to leave a voice message at the bottom of every description, we have an anchor link where you can go in and sign up. You do have to sign up. That's the issue. Record a voice message and uh, try to act crazier than Alex Jones himself, which is going to be hard to do. But I encourage anybody who's willing to to do that. And do it. 
Join us next week. We're going to be covering Alex Garland's most recent film, directorial film, Men, which we have literally no idea what to expect. Mm -hmm. And it should be a very interesting podcast. I won't be able to have nearly as much research yeah, involved. There's right. going to be no It's going to be like pretty much off the cuff. Uh, I've seen the poster. Assumptions, and trivia. Or, that's it. It's not going to be any <laughs> trivia. We're going to be making assumptions out the goddamn ass. Because yep. it's not going to be a simple watch. I know that. Nope. But <laughs> you can join us next week for that conversation. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Peace. Good night. Yes, science. Bitch.